It's time to create better. Create better family, health, business, and self. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome back to part two of our conversation with the amazing author, Anne Douglas. So if you've ever wanted to write a book or someone has said you need to write a book, you do not want to miss this episode. So here we go. Now, last year you taught an online course and it was called How to Trick Yourself into Writing a Book. Yes. Crazy. Why is it necessary to trick yourself into writing a book? And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so hard. People have a hard time wanting to start a book. They want to write a book, but that starting part is really hard and it, it could be frustrating, discouraging, low self-esteem. And I'm probably starting to answer this question myself. <laughs> why, why do you need to trick yourself into writing a book? Well, it's such a daunting thing, right? Like if I ever said to myself, uh, sit down in front of the computer, put your fingers on the keyboard and write a book, I could never do that in a million years. So I have to break it down into all those little steps that we were talking about. So like right now, I'm in the process of filling my third one of these big, you know, spiral notebooks full of notes, handwritten, because that's less anxiety producing for me, right? Just to uh, sort of dump the ideas from my brain. And then I can sit down and I can type up all my notes. I can start moving chunks of things around and I can go, wait a minute. I already have 20,000 words worth of content and I haven't even started. That's much less terrifying than, you know, blank screen, zero words and trying to figure out how do I make it to 80,000 words. So, so it's partly been my strategy, like just finding baby steps to get into a book project because years ago when I was working on the second edition of the mother of all pregnancy books, I had a terrible depression and I really did uh, have writer's block. I know some people say writer's block doesn't exist. I will fight people on that because it totally does. And I, I think I, know like, it does. I had that yeah. adversity. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe some people have been lucky enough not to experience it, but I know I, I experienced it and it was torture. And I really remember thinking like, if I'm a writer who can't write, what the heck am I? It was like an identity crisis. But what I did was I literally tricked myself into doing the revisions. I would say to myself, you're not actually working on the revisions. You're just making notes for the revisions. And then, as I said, type up the notes and then start moving things around. And then next thing you know, you're into the book. Uh, and even when I'm into the writing groove, um, last time I wrote my book, um, Happy Parents, Happy Kids, I told myself that I wanted to sort of like visually track what I was doing. So what I did was I got post-it notes and every post-it note counted as a thousand words. So every time I wrote a thousand words, I put it on one of the patio doors. I actually have photos of this online somewhere. Um, I can send you a link later if you'd like yes, to see it. And it literally was like a wall of post-it notes. And so it's torture at first, right? It's like, I have 1,000 out of 80,000 words done. I have 2,000 out of 80,000 words. But once I get to about like the 30 or 40,000 word mark, then you're at the top of the hill. You're at the halfway mark. And now it's like 
And now I have five more done and five more, and now I'm across the finish line. So it's much, very much a sort of a psychological strategy. So last year, I turned this into an online course. It had been an in-person workshop, and I worked with a group of 25 different writers over a six-month period to walk them through all these things. And I have to say, things were going brilliantly until March 1st, 2020. What happened at the beginning of March? We had a pandemic. People got a little off track. So some of the people are still working on their book proposals, but I have great faith that these brilliant books will ultimately find their way into the world, but uh, not ever scheduling another course during a pandemic. (laughs) No kidding. Okay. Two questions. Two questions then is one is you say the magic number of 80,000 words. Is that just a ballpark or like just as an example, or do most books have to be 80,000 words? An 80,000 word manuscript is about a 300 page book. So there will be a fair number of books that are more like 200 pages. So they're probably more like 50 to 60,000. It's pretty hard to sell a book that's less than 50 to 60,000. Because if you thought of it in fiction terms, that would be more of a novella, a novella than an actual full fledged novel. So good to know. Good to know. Second question then is do you plan to offer this course again? in the near future. And how do people find out about that? Yeah, if I'm probably not, yeah, I'm probably <laughs> not going to offer the course in the next little while, just because I literally put heart and soul into courses when I'm teaching them. And I, I, I just don't Absolutely. have that right now, because I'm working on something else. But I will in future at some point, And there are newsletters on my website, if you want to be notified of my next writing workshop, you can sign up for that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm ha- always happy to like mentor people one on one. And I, I'll be very upfront, I ch- charge $100 an hour for my time, but I'm extremely efficient with my time. So depending yeah. on what somebody's doing, if they have a few questions, maybe an hour of my time is all they would need. Or if they want me to help guide them through the process of writing a book proposal, I find a lot of the times that's more like five or six hours and so on, right? Yeah. But just... I've figured out a few things over the years writing all these books. And so it's just a way to sort of, you know, help people. And I mean, if it's just like a really general question, ask me on social media. I I have had like millions of conversations like that. It's only when I have to literally, you know, book time off in my schedule and take myself away from other things that I'm working on. That's when I have to charge a bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and if if someone is listening right now and they, want to take you up on this uh, one-to-one mentoring, where can they reach you? You mentioned Instagram and where yeah. else can they find you? Well, I, I pretty much live on Twitter, which speaks volumes to my mental health at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm Ann Douglas on Twitter or on Instagram, Anne M. Douglas. And you can also just go to my website, which is annedouglas.ca. So pretty easy Perfect. to find me. Perfect. Now, I'm very excited to ask you because... We've been talking about writing books, and I know that you are working on a book right now. And I would love for you to to tease us a little bit and and share a little bit about this new book of yours. I I just want before I I just wanted to say, Anne, you are incredible. And I, if you're listening, you need to catch her on episode ninety where we talk about how to parent through the storm parenting through the storm and uh, just so many valuable tidbits there that uh, has been a blessing to me too. So I want to say thank you. And I just wanted to acknowledge you for that and your wisdom. So tell us a little bit about this new book. 
Yes. Well, I'm really excited about this. It's a book for and about midlife women or women at midlife. So women in their 40s and 50s. And I can't say too, too much about it, except that I have done so much learning over the past two decades. I'm 56 now. And uh, I figured out a lot of things along the way. And I still have like 10 million questions. So I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to interview a large number of women, get their perspectives, and try and figure out like, what is this thing called midlife? And and how could we maybe make it Uh, you know, a little less daunting for people. Because I think sometimes it's like everything else. It's like the hype around something that scares us away when really, maybe this is actually a manageable stage of life. A really interesting time of personal growth and challenges and learning and questioning things you hadn't questioned before and then putting all the pieces back together in a new way. So So that's sort of what I've been doing. I've been researching it since the pandemic started. I'm so happy that I had something else to do other than baking bread because otherwise (laughs) I already love my carbs too much. So this has helped me to not bake bread every day. And I literally, I have read a bookshelf worth of books so far and I'm just getting started. I usually, by the time I'm finished researching a book, I've read about a hundred books. I've read about a thousand journal articles. I've interviewed about 75 women and experts. So it's really all immersive, but I love it so much. I'm at the stage where this book is all possibility. It could just be the best book in the history of the world. And then the humbling part when you actually start trying to write it. I love and, that. And, you know, it comes out on the same day as a natural disaster and it doesn't even show up in the news cycle. So, but I cannot allow myself to think about that or I will never trick myself into writing a book. I love, love, love. And I love that you found something else to do besides baking bread because I too started baking bread with my kids. We've never done that before, but that was, uh, I guess, a, a plus and a minus during uh, COVID times. But I, I am really fascinated to know why something different. You always write about parenting. Yes. And why just about women? And it's not even about moms. It's You're saying about right. women, it's women in general. Yeah. So what made that switch? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, um, life, right? I mean, my youngest is now 23. So, you know, I'm sort of like, uh, it's not like I'm going to resign from motherhood just in case my kids are listening and they're quite alarmed that I'm dumping them. That is not happening. I will always be passionate about parenting and advocating for parents and just, you know, especially right now, supporting them during this really, really challenging time. That isn't going to change at all. But in terms of my what I'm living and my day-to-day reality, it is so much about self-compassion and, and self-acceptance and figuring out who I am and how I fit into the world. So I'm passionate about that. I want to talk to other women about that. And I want to really, you know, immerse myself in all that goodness. And plus, it is a really challenging time to sell parenting books. Like because the internet has, you know, just taken over in the life of my career, like 20 years ago, of course we had the internet, but it wasn't like you could Google everything in two seconds. Mm -hmm. So a lot more parents these days are turning to like, you know, mom discussion books on Facebook or just Googling the article of the day. I think they're missing out on some of the content that's in a book because they're, you know, that puts it in context. It's not just the clickbait of the day advice that's surfacing to the top of your screen. It's somebody who's put a lot of thought into this and put it in context and hopefully backed it with a lot of research and stuff. So I will always love parenting books, but I also feel like right now 
it's probably one of the most challenging times to be a parenting book author. And that's why if you go to the bookstore, uh, not that long ago, you'd have six or eight bookcases of parenting books in a book superstore, like, you know, one of the big chains in Canada, for example. Now you're lucky if you find half a bookcase that is related to parenting because the market for parenting books has collapsed that much. So, so I needed to pivot out of the, out of the, sector for sort of like two different reasons for, you know, the difficulty in probably selling any future parenting projects, and also just my own life interest at this stage in my life. So great question. And uh, that's the word. And I am a, a hard copy book lover. I love holding a book. I love feeling books. Like I, I just love the feel of a good book and I love turning the pages. I love getting to the end and then I go through a, a you know a two minute depression at the end when I go, now what? I just finished this great book, now what? Yeah. It's a, a weird feeling when you it's like an emptiness of it is. Sometimes I immediately go and see what else has this person written? <laughs> oh good, you know. And then one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite fiction authors, a guy named Kent Haroof, he died when I was reading one of his last books. It's like no, I cannot have one and a half more books of his left to last my entire life because his his books are exquisite. Just mm-hmm. I also really love Alice Munro, but just like that humanity, the depth of of the characters and stuff. So, yeah, wow. yeah. I hear you when it comes to like that last page sadness. Yes, yes, indeed, and and I hear you when you need to pivot and and. Uh, pursue that interest and share that passion in, in that next chapter. And, you know, when I uh, got, uh, had my stroke and I, it made me pivot a lot. It made me rethink on so many levels. And, and I was sharing on a different podcast as I was talking to two young entrepreneurial women saying to them that I learned lessons later in my entrepreneurial journey of mistakes that I did and one is one that many young entrepreneurs or startups do is they say that sleep is overrated that it's unnecessary you'll have sleep when you're dead you'll sleep when you're old no don't do that i did that don't do that don't and you know i i i watched too late in my journey um a ted talk that was all about sleep and i was saying how that you know in your if you are a person who sleeps four hours or less in a year, you're going to age your, your reproductive cycle system by 10 years. That's me. Wow. <laughs> I did that. And, and I literally stopped and dropped everything when I heard that person say that. And, you know, and I share that now to other women and, and say, you know, don't, don't be that superhero because there is no superhero of zero sleep. In fact, it's the opposite of superhero. It is just a malfunction disaster in your day, in your life, in your parenting, in, in all aspects. So yes, I, I understand when you are talking about pivot and, and share that passion. So I am passionate about that. I am also now a spokesperson for Heart and Stroke <laughs> and, yes. and honored to do that. But you are amazing and, and you've shared so much uh, value in this conversation because I, I can think on the top of my head right now, on one hand, all five, five people who want to write a book. And I hope they were listening. And if you were that person listening, thank you. Thank you for listening today. 
and Anne, you are amazing. And I'm so grateful for you and just giving you a huge gratitude right now. Aww, and, and I, I will be reaching out to you, I'm sure. And I'm sure that many of my listeners right now will be looking you up as AnneDouglas.com. Dot .ca. Dot .ca. Thank you. Yeah. And I have this all, of course, in my show notes. And I just, do you have any, oh, I'm just going to hit you up with a, a, a strategy, a tip. And I did this with you before too. Just two tips. One on how to create better family. Yes. And one on how to create better self. Okay. So by self, I mean self health, self-improvement self-love so family one tip okay family first is what i always say yes okay here's my family tip i think right now more than ever look for ways to connect with people that you care about but you can't be face to face with so i recently made these pandemic care packages and i sent them out to my four kids and my three sisters and i just put one together for my dad as well just because the holidays i don't think are going to be quite normal this year. And I really wanted to sort of send them things to make them feel good, like candles and soap and a cute Boston Terrier set of coasters, you know, (laughs) things that people really need. And it made me feel so good to do that. So recognize that taking care of other people in a nice way actually is a gift to yourself because it makes you feel really good, right? So that's the family one. And the other one about taking care of self, oh my heavens, always self-compassion. Like, If I could go back and find, you know, teenage me or 20 something new mom me and say, uh, find out about this radical thing called self-compassion, it would have been life changing because I spent so many years of my life, decades of my life being really, really hard on myself. And now when the wheels fall off the bus, you know, I'm a guest on something and the technology won't cooperate. Instead of getting really freaked out, just saying, oh, like I did in an earlier thing today, like, it's just a bad technology today. Like, you know, all the tech is conspiring against us. And some days are like that. It doesn't mean that I'm like a bad person or that I was irresponsible. It just means like, I had a tech glitch and everybody else in the room put up your hand if you've had a tech glitch during the pandemic. It's like, is there anybody who doesn't have both their arms raised? or Who isn't crying? I don't think so. So, so definitely self compassion, and just finding your people so that that way you can support and encourage one another be really selective about who you connect with on social media. Don't just connect with people who seem to have their act together, find people who are open and vulnerable. And if you ever want to hang out on a social media feed where somebody you know, openly shares their mistakes, follow me. <laughs> and me. Yes. I love you. Indeed. You know, yes. Yes. I was gonna say crap happens and it does. And it's okay. You shake it off. And you know, I always find gratitude in it and and just be thankful and you take a step forward, right? And that's all you can do is be thankful for it. And because, you know, there's a, a lot worse happening around us and we are all so very blessed. Yeah. So very blessed. And, uh, and thank you, Anne, for just being wonderful. And I just wanted to just give you a hug from afar. And I, I follow you, you know that, <laughs> on social media. And yes, and I am looking forward to our, our paths crossing again, Anne. Yes, in real life one day soon. Thank you so much for another really lovely conversation, Elaine. It was great to be a guest at your virtual kitchen table. (laughs) Well, uh, next time we will have real cheesecake and and tea or coffee. And yes, 
Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining Anne and I today. And I'm sure that you grabbed a bunch of tidbits or are inspired to write a book or at least trick yourself into writing a book now. And um, please do look up Anne in our show notes and look up Anne Douglas in social media and annedouglas.ca. And thank you for listening. And I'm always so grateful when you write to me and share your thoughts with me. And I always reply. So thank you and have a fabulous day. And have a fabulous day. You too. Bye, everybody.